0: All right, welcome to the first of its kind, world changing Manufacturers Network. Lisa Ryan has her ears to the ground and her heart in the game. Get ongoing education and new connections right here with Lisa and the Manufacturers Network. Buckle your seat, listen, and spread the word. Here's Lisa.
1: Hey, it's Lisa Ryan and welcome to the Manufacturers Network podcast. I'm excited to introduce our guest today, John Herdlick. John is president and CEO of Inks International Ink Company. He spent most of his career in the ink industry at Inks. During his 44 years with the company, he's worked in the production lab and tech service eventually landing in operations management around 1994 as a VP. In 2011, he became a senior COO and then president in 2018, and he added CEO in 2019. He's enjoyed managing the employees towards their goals and challenges in all of his roles, and he's also an active member and participant on the boards of NAPIM and the IMDPA Associations. John, welcome to the show.
0: Hi Lisa, I'm very happy to be here. Always a pleasure talking to you.
1: Well, great, well share with us, I know I read a little bit of your intro, but what led you into Ink? And just kind of share with us that journey of what got you to where you are.
0: It's a journey that uh, most people don't see happen these days. Back uh, when I came out of high school, uh, there were other opportunities. I, I did start college after high school and at the time, due to cost and my own maturity level, I did last very long and I left with the idea that I'd get my act together, I'd get some money in the bank and then go back to school. So that led me to a shift position in a, in a factory. I was laid off and uh, a friend of mine got me into the ink business where he worked. So I was a production worker Uh, That was a different company. I stayed there for three years. And then I went to Inks so I could make more money because I just got married. So I've been very fortunate to work for a company like Inks. And opportunities kept coming my way. Every chance I had to uh, move up or take on a different role, I took it. And it eventually took me to where, where I am today. Everyone has a mentor and I was lucky to have uh, Rick Lindenning as my mentor. He was our president for 19 years. So he he brought me up through the organization and uh, it it really helped me understand our company's culture. It took me all over the world. I've seen most of our employees, I've seen most of our facilities and that also includes seeing customers all over the world. So even though I had Mainly operational uh, positions. I was still involved with sales and people to be successful. That I focused on that, taking care of our people and taking care of our customers. So, when
1: you said that everyone in the company had a mentor, expand a little bit more about that. What did that program look like, and how did the at what levels did people get mentors? How did that process work?
0: Well, I think that's what's cool about Inks, Lisa. At the time, we really didn't have a program. Individuals at Inks would just take people under their wings and help them along. I worked for Rick Flandinian in Charlotte and for 10 years, and then I left and came back about five years later uh, and worked for him again, moved up to our corporate office And there was probably a period of five or six years where I didn't work directly for Rick, but he was always there. And uh, when I became COO, he and I worked together every day, even when I didn't realize he was mentoring me. He was teaching me and uh, helping me have the ability to do what I do today. And that's why I say it wasn't really an organized program. It was just someone who who saw something in me and just took me under his wing. And you see that all over our company.
1: Starting on the production floor and then ending up as president, you're right, is not a story that you hear every day. Mm -hmm. So is that one of the things that you attribute to Inks's success is the fact that they, they groom people within the company versus bringing in outside talent or is there a
0: mix of both? Lisa, I would say there's a good mix. But what Inks has done over the years is they do nurture their employees. Inks is a great company, and people tend to stay and make a full career out of our company. If you look at our average tenure, we used to be, on average, our employees were with us for 22 years, on average. That has come down in recent years for two reasons. Number one, our business is growing, so we're adding employees. But also, because of the baby boomer effect we're seeing a lot more retirements now. So it's not uncommon to see people at Inks with 50 years or more of experience in their 40s, like me, 30s, 25. Every month, I fill out anniversary cards to to each employee in North America, South America, and Europe. And it's one of their milestone years, whether it's 5, 10, 15, and so on. I send them a handwritten card. Uh, that resonates with the employees. It, it fits our culture of having uh, open door policies. Anybody can call me up or send me an email. Sometimes that creates a lot of extra work, but anyone who works at Ink's knows they can connect to, to senior management at any given time, and that that's very important. As well as the opportunities they see to to move up into the up further in the company. So it's just a good all around company.
1: How many employees approximately do you
0: have there? Uh, Overall, in in our part of the company, we have roughly 1300 employees. So 1300
1: employees and on a regular basis, you are sending out handwritten cards acknowledging those employees. Did I just hear you correctly?
0: Yes, but that's for milestone anniversaries, which is every five years. If I had to do that every year for every employee. uh, Right. You'd never get anything else done. (laughs) On average, average, it's probably uh, 12 to 15 cards a month that I'm filling out.
1: Okay. That's such an important point because that 12 to 15 cards, which most people don't even write one or two in a month, Mm-hmm. But it makes such a huge difference takes minimal time. so what would you say you invest an hour couple hours?
0: Uh, I would say two hours uh, i I try not to uh, write the same thing in every card and uh many of the employees I know, so I can add something uh, that I know about them. So roughly two hours and i'll I'll break it up so I don't do every card in one sitting before my writing gets terrible or (laughs) or, uh, unreadable. So I I try to take my time and uh, break it up throughout the month.
1: Well, and as somebody who's been on the receiving end of a note, a handwritten note from a COO or CEO when I was in the welding industry and Bud Kalish was at the top of the organization, chairman, CEO, and when I had a good month bud would write on my commission statement congratulations lisa good month whatever mm-hmm. it was and it really it means the world when somebody takes the time out to do that so i just really first of all want to commend you for doing that and to the people who are listening it's these little just these little personalizations that you can do that make such a huge difference to your employees So speaking of that culture, which obviously you must have a pretty terrific culture because of the tenure that you have there, besides the handwritten notes, what are some of the other things that are going well or that you're doing well as an organization?
0: Well, with our success, uh, there's a lot of things we're doing well. But if I just look at the top of the list, I I have to say I, I can't talk about this without mentioning our response to covid We're very proud of our employees. The last year, every directive we sent out, every update letter we've sent out, everything we've asked our employees to do, they've responded. We're an essential company, so we never stop manufacturing. Our corporate office was able to move to their homes to work within three days of COVID starting, and that's roughly 80 people. So just the... the cooperation and attitude from our employees to keep everything running during this time is, is just very commendable. We 86% of our products find their way onto food packaging. That food packaging and beverage packaging ends up in the grocery stores, and that that's what made us essential. We were part of the supply chain that kept food and beverages in the stores for people who couldn't go out to restaurants and things like that anymore. So we reminded our employees of their part in that process. We made sure we were communicating on a monthly basis with them. So they were up to date on everything we were doing.
1: Wow, and what are some of the other things that you or your leadership team do uh, to take care of your employees, to connect with them?
0: we work in a very competitive industry. And in order to, uh, you know, stay profitable, reasonably profitable and viable, we have to manage our costs very well. So many years ago, we instituted a program that uh, it's TPM, Total Productive Maintenance. We didn't come up with it. It's it's based on a Japanese uh, model. But the best way I can describe TPM is it's uh, lean on steroids. It's And to get the involvement of the employees, uh, management needs to go out on the shop floor, talk to the employees, ask them what's working, what's not working, what do they need from us to help them. And whatever we do to improve our efficiencies on our production floors, the employees are directly involved. So that helps us not only involve them in, in the entire process, but they get to know management They see me walk around. They see our COO walk around in our various uh, division vice presidents. And you get that one-on-one relationship with employees. We're just one of them. And we're coming to them for help to make us more efficient. And that has helped us over the years to mitigate our, our manufacturing costs increases. Every year when we budget, we target zero budgeting for our operations, even with our business growth, we strive to year to year keep our costs fairly flat as much as possible.
1: So it sounds like you've created a safe environment for employees to get to know you, to feel valued, to be to feel heard, mm-hmm. to feel that their input is also valued. Have it? Has there been? specific examples of an idea that maybe came from the floor that you were able to implement that made a significant difference?
0: Yes, there's so many, and some of them have minor impacts, but they all add up. Others uh, can go well into six figures in in savings, but they're all related to the process itself. We recently uh, had a major improvement in our freight costs simply by our logistics team, taking a harder look at the areas in our freight costs that we weren't managing well, putting out monthly metrics and then working with the plants on how they could improve those metrics, working with our freight vendors on how we could improve with them as well. And and that was a significant cost savings in 2020. Uh, but, But every project the employees work on, they're on a team, And at some point, that team has to present their project in front of management. And that gives them recognition. It involves management asking them questions and giving them the proper pat on the back for what they've done. And again, whether it's a small savings or a large savings, they're putting their effort into helping us be better. And uh, we show them a lot of uh, gratitude for that.
1: And for the people who are listening to this, who are who may be afraid to ask employees what they want because they think they're going to come up with some kind of off the wall, I want $20 more an hour and six months vacation. So when you take the time to sincerely ask your employees, what, <laughs> what have you found in the real world that happens?
0: When we're walking around the plants, we call it the Gemba and we talk to the employees, we ask them how they're doing and what would make their job easier and things of that nature. It, it's just a casual conversation. And generally, when I, I'm part of that, you can, you can get one to three ideas that we'll take back to the local management team. And they have to act on them within a certain amount of time and either accept them as valid projects or it's, it's not a good word, but some can be rejected sure. because there's a little bit more to the story. But no matter if we accept or reject uh, an idea, the employee is talked to about it. And if we reject an idea, their manager explains instead of just not saying anything. So that, that really helps. And of course uh, we have suggestion boxes and we try to get a certain number of suggestions every month from every facility. And there's always encouragement for our employees to, you know, put something in the box. So when you do something like that, that's where you can get some off the wall ideas. But again, we address every one of them and none of them have been too terrible, but there's some that just aren't realistic. And we explain that to the employees.
1: Right. So, what are some of the things that are keeping
0: you up at night? Uh, well, I'll go back to COVID. We've been running, we're essential, we've been successful, but we still have cases. We've had cases. Luckily, we haven't had to shut down our facilities in any way. I get worried about that. You know, every now and then you get a phone call in the middle of the night. And we run 24-7, 24-5. So we, those phone calls can come. And sometimes it involves me being called. So anytime I hear the phone ring in the middle of the night, it's, it's a problem at a facility or Japan. But it's, you know, that worries me. But again, uh, our employees have been very uh, resilient and cooperative. Other things that that wake me up at night or keep me up, I would say uh, the last few years, there's been significant problems with freight carriers, the level of service, the cost of that service. And now, even if they wanna have you as a customer, if your business uh, is something that doesn't fit their guidelines, Mm -hmm. they're short drivers, the tanker trucks are in short supply with qualified drivers. So everybody in manufacturing is probably dealing with this problem in one way, shape, or form. But when we can't get our product to a customer or we can't get our raw materials to our plant because of transportation problems, that can create a a very big problem very quickly with our supply chain. The other thing that can keep me up at night is just uh, uh, we're very uh, focused on safety at our company and from time to time there might be an accident in a plant and some of our plants due to the nature of the product they produce can be more dangerous than others. But uh, it's, I never like to get the phone call that there was an employee accident or we had a, you know, a product spill somewhere. You know, we're concerned about the welfare of our employees and then when you go beyond that, uh, it can have a, a wider impact. So. Uh, Those things cause me to uh, either be woken up in the night or sometimes uh, it stays on my mind when I'm uh, trying to rest.
1: So from a networking standpoint, if you were to connect with other manufacturing colleagues, what are some of the things you would like to learn from them? And in turn... What is some of the expertise or strategies that you would be willing to share?
0: Well, we can always use help and we always look for help dealing with the the job openings we have in manufacturing. And I think everyone's been dealing with this, trying to entice younger people to get into our industry and work in manufacturing. Uh, We've tried a lot of different things and we could probably share some of those with other people. But uh, we're always looking for new ways to to draw people to uh, would be very beneficial to me and the rest of us here at Inks. That's very important, important to us. And also the area of freight. Again, uh, we're doing some things different with our uh, freight management system. But I, I would like to hear what other companies are doing to deal with the challenges out there. Uh, because it is something that impacts all of manufacturing, just like filling open positions. So those two areas are areas where uh, we could get help from other manufacturers. We could also share what we've done, and and maybe that could go both ways. Areas where, where I think we could help, if anyone is uh, still trying to get their arms around um, managing through covid uh, I think what we've done as a company, it wasn't rocket science, but it was, it's was it been very successful. Uh, our TPM program would help other manufacturers, uh, even if they only use a portion of it. But it does, uh, as I said before, it involves in the employees, and anything you can do to involve employees will eventually uh, improve your operating efficiencies. So I, I think in those areas, We could help, but other people could help us.
1: Terrific. Well, John, if you were to wrap it up in a nice little bow with your best tip for somebody listening today to improve their workplace culture like you've
0: done so well over at Inks, what would that be? To keep it simple, it's not all about the numbers. The numbers are very important, but if you take care of your people and you take care of your customers, treat them as human beings, and the end result is the numbers will take care of themselves.
1: All righty. Well, John, I just want to thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure having a conversation
0: with you. Oh, thank you very much, Lisa.
1: I'm Lisa Ryan, and this is the Manufacturers Network. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Hey, do me a favor. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Also, feel free to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can grow the network and connect more fantastic folks just like you. You can either go to the website at manufacturers-network.com or share the podcast on your LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you and your industry friends hang out. The bigger and faster we grow this network, the stronger and deeper community we will have. I appreciate you. Thank you.